Well, welcome everybody. We're, um, for those of you who are new, I know we see some new phases here. We're so glad you're here, and I pray that God will continue to direct and guide you and bless you as you look for a, a new church home. And for those of you who are watching on um, live stream, welcome. And some of you might be getting a jump on your spring break, and so we hope you have a great week. And for those of you who are watching outside, welcome. Uh, my name's Pastor Dave, and I'm the senior pastor here. And we've been going through one of the greatest chapters, I think, in the Bible, and that's Romans 8. Because what we're trying to do is we, in the next five years, we want to create a culture of discipleship, right. And I'm going to keep saying that and saying that and saying that until you get it. And by the time you're sick of hearing it, I know that you got it. And part of it is, you know, when we want to lay down a foundation of discipleship, discipleship isn't about us. Because when I was growing up, I used to think, you know, my walk with Jesus Christ was just about me and becoming like Jesus Christ. I failed to realize that part of being discipled is to go make other disciples. And in order for us to do that, we have to lay a right foundation. Because if we do not have a solid foundation, if our foundation is skewed a little bit, guess what's happening? When we disciple others, it's going to what? Their foundation is going to be skewed a little bit. And then as they disciple, it gets worse and worse. So it's important that we have a firm foundation. And part of the foundation is having the right uh, mindset of who God is in relationship with us. There are so many times when I meet believers, they're just so unhappy because they feel so guilty. They go, oh, man, I can't live up to God. God is angry with me. God is... um, you know, I keep messing up. So how could this God keep, for, you know, forgiving me and loving me? And, and, and it's a struggle for them. And I say, you know, when we look at Scripture, God is not this angry God that most of us or a lot of us think he is. And if we have that foundation, it kind of skews our relationship with him. And so as we went through Romans 8, I hope you were able to see a different view of God. I hope it was able to change how you viewed God. And so I'm going to be recapping Romans 8, and I'm going to be following up on a very hard act, which was my son who preached last week. And one thing I realized, you know, as soon as I was done, I texted all my extended family members and said, guess what, guys? I just got out-preached by Michael. You know, and I said, my goodness, this guy hasn't even gone to seminary yet. You know, for those of you who don't know him, he just graduated college. And I'm just going, wow, you know, he is definitely going to. And at that moment, I said, you know what? He's going to surpass me. And, you know, as a father, isn't that what you want? Your sons to or your kids to surpass you. But, you know, when he was a child, I remember when he was in kindergarten, he goes, Dad, I saw Jesus. And I go, what do you mean you saw Jesus? I saw Jesus' face on the whiteboard at school. Now, in my theology, Jesus does not show up on a whiteboard, right? So I'm just kind of rolling my eyes and say, okay, I'm just going to go with this. Um, but then as I started, you know, thinking and watching him, I noticed that, you know, there was an encounter at a young age that he had with God. And so parents, you know, it's important that you pay attention to these things in your kids. Because, 
you know, God might be planting seeds. It doesn't mean they're going to be a pastor, but God might be leading them in a certain direction. And he plants these seeds. And like I said, it was not in my wheelhouse of theology that Jesus shows up on a whiteboard. You know, but hey, who am I to say whether he does or not? But I knew at that point that God might have a special hand on him. And so that's really important. And so as we recap Romans 8, there were so many blessings in there for us believers. And I want to just recap some of them. I know I've done um, some before, but what we see in Romans 8.1, it says there is no condemnation for believers. So if you have these condemning thoughts in your head, when you make a mistake and all of these thoughts in your mind condemn you that, condemn you that you're not worthless, that God is angry with me, that God is condemning me, I guarantee you that that's not coming from God. Because what does scripture tell us? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says we are given the righteousness of God. That's Romans 8, 4, right? And believe it or not, you are as righteous as God. You know, and that's not sacrilegious. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, he imputed his righteousness onto us. And so when he looks at us, he sees what? His righteousness, because he's given that to us. We are given a spiritual life and peace with God. We have a promise of physical resurrection. That there's something after this life. That we are not blinked out of existence. You know, in Romans 8.16, it says we were adopted into God's family and are now his children. And we can call him Papa. We can call him Daddy, that's the intimate relationship we have with them. It says we are co-heirs with Christ. And so we know that God is going to glorify Christ and at the day he is going to give Jesus everything. But as co-heirs, what does that mean? We will be given the same thing as Jesus. It says our current sufferings can't be compared to the glory we will experience in heaven. For those of you who are going through a tough time right now, you know, the pain that you're going through right now might be excruciating, but the Bible promises that this is nothing, nothing compared to the experience that we will have one day in heaven. Romans 8.23, we will receive new bodies which are incapable of sin and are indestructible. And Romans 8, 26 to 7, he says, we don't even know what to pray for. You know, we might think, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I know what I need. But what does the Bible tell us? We don't know what to pray for, but we don't have to worry about it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is interceding for us in accordance to God's will. He said, God causes every experience to work for good in the life of the believer. Everything you experience, like I said earlier, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God promises that good's going to come out of it. God has declared us not guilty for all time. Romans 8.30, God has called, justified, and glorified us. Romans 8.31, God is always for us and never against us. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Romans 8.32. Romans 8.33. No charges will ever 
be brought against us. Why? Because God has deemed us not guilty. God is the DA who will not let our case be pleaded at the great white throne. This is when God sits on the throne, and if your name's not written in the book of life, what happens? He um, sentences you after he judges you fairly. He what? He says, okay, now you are going to spend eternity away from me in hell. Believers don't have to face that judgment. Instead, Jesus, who is our brother, will reward us at the believer's judgment. And finally, we see in Romans uh, 8.34, Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Isn't that wonderful? Two of the three members of the Trinity are interceding for us all the time. And finally, as my son preached last week, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I hope just by reading this, this changed your view on who God is in relationship to you. Because he starts off in Romans 8 by saying, Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. But he concludes Romans 8 in Romans 8.38 where Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great two bookends in Romans 8. There is no condemnation in Christ. There's one bookend. And at the other bookend, there's nothing can separate us from the love of God. So this brings me to my first point. You are totally secure in your relationship with God. And I hope this gives you hope, especially for those of you who are like me, who read in Romans 7 from the Apostle Paul who says, you know what, I am struggling. The things that I want to do, the things that I know God wants me to do, I don't do. But the things I know that God doesn't want me to do, those are the things that I'm doing. And there are some of us who struggle with that. But then he backs that up with Romans 8. Right? So isn't that wonderful for those of us who struggle? Yes, that's chapter 7, but oh, you got to read chapter 8. And once you read chapter 8, you see how secure we are in God's love. So the question is, how do we live with the assurance of our salvation? How do we live? Now, back in Paul's days, there was this thing called the antinomian, antinomian problem. Anti just means against, and nomian means the law. And so there was a group of um, pastors or teachers who were saying, you know what? Jesus Christ died for your sins, and God has forgiven everything. All of your sins, past, present, and future. Therefore, you could do whatever you want. You could live whatever way you want. You could indulge in any type of activity you want. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven you, right? And so there were those in the church in Rome, they were thinking that. They were thinking, wow, I could have my cake and I could eat it too, right? And so, but then Paul says, no, no, that's not why you are secure. That's not how you're supposed to live. Even though you're forgiven, that's not, if you are a believer, you can't live like that. In Romans 6, 1, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? 
so that grace might increase. Because in the previous verse, Paul says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more, right? So every time we mess up, God's, there's God's grace, there's God's grace, there's God's grace. So that people are saying, whoa, okay, I, yeah, I want to sin more to experience God's grace. And Paul says, no, no, that's not the way we should live our life. And then he says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He said, yeah, that's the way you used to live, right? But Christ died for you so that you could be free, so you could be secure, so you don't have to worry about your mistakes. But you aren't to live your life by what? Just doing whatever you want. Verse 6.15, it says, What then? Shall we sin because we are no longer under the law but under grace? By no means. And Paul is saying, okay, you guys aren't under the law anymore. And there, uh, there was some in the church of Rome who were saying, hey, this is great. We're no longer in the law. We're under grace. We could do whatever we want. And once again, um, the apostle Paul says, by no means. Now, there are times when we've done that, right? Where we've taken advantage of God's grace, knowing that what we're doing is wrong, and we say, oh, you know what? God will forgive us. And you know, and there are times when I've done that, but I tell you, when I've done that, I felt like Peter after he betrayed Christ. There is no way you could live our life. And, and even recently, you know, I uh, was doing the uh, uh, memorial service for Davis's grandmother. And so I was going with Michael, and it was at Forest Lawn, Hollywood Hills. So I know where it is. It was in the afternoon, and I charted it on Google, and it said, this is how long it should take me to get there. So we planned accordingly. And then we get on the 210 freeway, and it is just bumper to bumper. And I'm looking at the carpool lane, and the carpool lane's just going like this. But I've been on the 210 freeway in Pasadena more times where I know where you could get in. And I knew that was way down there. And I'm looking at my watch, and I'm going, oh, man, I'm going to be late for this service. And so I had Michael in my car with me, and I said, oh, Michael, I'm going to ask God for forgiveness right now. And so I said, God, please forgive me. And then I just went right into the carpool lane, where it's two double lines, right? And I felt so bad, because I had my son in the car, right? I said, Michael, do as I say, not as I do. This isn't something that pastors normally do. But, I, you know, I was so worried about being um, late that I, you know, I did that. And so we did, I got there and we got there on time, but it didn't start on time. So I, even if I stayed in bumper to bumper traffic, I would have still gotten there on time. Right. But it was one of those things, right? It's like, God, forgive me. I know I'm going to sin. You know, and I really felt bad about that. Right. Because you're taking advantage of God's grace. So how are we supposed to live? Well, Galatians 5.13 tells us, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. It says, For the whole law can be summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul says once again, he reiterates, You've been free from the law, because there was Jewish Christians um, in the Church of Galatia, and what they were doing, they had this Jesus plus 
faith. Where it's, yes, Jesus, belief in Jesus for salvation, but you had to um, live according to Jewish ceremonial law to maintain your salvation. And Paul is saying, no, that's not, you know, if Jesus saved you from the law, why are you going back to following it? He said, you've been saved. But he said, we have freedom. We are secure in our faith as children of God, not to satisfy your sinful desire, but what? To serve other people. And so how are we supposed to live how does God want us to live in the security that he provides us? He wants us to use your freedom in Christ to serve others in love. Not to do whatever you want, like the Christian in Rome thought, but to serve others in love. Yes, we don't have, yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're not perfect. You know, God doesn't want us to go around beating us up for mistakes that he paid for on the cross, right? He doesn't want that. He wants us to learn. He wants other people to learn from it. He promised that good's going to come out of it. He doesn't want us to, what, do our own thing because Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. He wants us to use our freedom to serve others in love. And this is huge. I know those of, uh, there are uh, you know, many here who are here for the first time, but before as a pastor, I was a supervisor at LAX for Continental Airlines, and I oversaw the uh, ticket counter, baggage service, and um, uh, gate area. But one thing, when it clicked, it made so much sense to me that I am... God has placed me at Continental to serve the customers and to serve my employees and to do so in love. And so when I managed, I managed as a believer. I didn't separate my faith on Sunday and my life Monday through Saturday. I saw it like that. And once I got that, once I saw that's my purpose to serve people it changed everything. You know, when I was in baggage service, you know, the majority of the, all my uh, uh, people that worked under me were all females, right? And there are a lot of times bags didn't come down. And so what I'd have to do is have to crawl through those belts, you know, to go out to the airport. And sometimes I'd be crawling and they would turn the machine on. And so I don't know if you ever saw that Seinfeld show where Kramer comes tumbling out onto that baggage carousel. That was me, you know, because I'm trying to go up there to the ramp and somebody turns it on and I'm just rolling, you know. Or I'd have to go to the airplanes to look for lost, you know, luggage. You know, there was one time this family came in from New York and their dog was supposed to be on the plane, but it wasn't there. Right. And so I called baggage claim and they tell me, nope, sorry, we checked the airplane. It was a 747. It's not here. And the, the passengers are just frantic because the dog has been without water and food for about eight, eight hours or so much. And so they had already taken that pl- uh, plane to the hangar. So um, I kept on saying, is there, a pl- is there a dog there? And everyone kept on saying no. So then I drove to the hangar. Because my job was to serve these customers. And I talked to the person. I said, I want you to go check again. And so they went into the baggage hold where they carry containers. 
And lo and behold, under this um, tarp was this dog. But you know what? That plane was scheduled to go to New Zealand the next morning. And if we didn't catch that, we would have sent that dog to New New Zealand and he probably wouldn't have made it. But what? I'm there to serve others in love, right? And when you, for those of you who are, are still work, working, I want you to have that attitude as you are working. God has set you free. God has given you the security so you could do what? Serve others in love. And finally, um, Galatians 5.16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, in, at the core of Christianity, it's very simple. And then it's not. At the core of Christianity, it is to let the Holy Spirit transform your life. It's to let the Holy Spirit do the work and not you. Our goal is not sin management. Because so many times we look at our life as, oh, it's about me and me not sinning. Yes, of course God does not want us to sin. Why? Because of the consequences that we experience because of that. And number one, God is a holy God, right? And he wants us to become more and more like him. So yes, you know, for us to obey God is important. But the problem is when we go into the sin management mode, what are we doing? We're just looking at ourselves. Right? We're just like, oh man, I messed up. Oh, I got to do this. And it's I, 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 I. But what does the Apostle Paul say? We need to serve others. We need to be looking out to serve others in love and not constantly looking at ourselves. And this is why God made us secure. So we're not going, oh man, look at me. I'm a mess. I'm a loser. I'm not. You know, you know, if you have that attitude, we're not very good for the kingdom of God. You know, because how many people was, ooh, I want to be a Christian, you know, after saying, oh, I'm such a loser, I can't please God, da, 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 I keep on failing. That's not what God wants. He wants a relationship with us. And he's taking all of these obstacles away so we could, what, be free to serve him. And by serving him to serve others in love. And that's as if you walk by the Spirit. If you let the Spirit do the work instead of you trying to do it on your own, it makes it so much simpler. At my other church, I was overseeing our men's ministry. And in our core team, we had two guys that sailed on sailboat. And Brent, I don't know if you remember this, the time we went out. And one of them, they took us out on a sailboat. We're not talking about these little ones you see. and We're talking about a big sailboat where it had a slip and everything. So we go out there in this big boat. And so we're out in the open ocean. It was just wonderful. You know, it's so quiet and you're cutting through the waves. And he said, he gave each one of the core members a turn to steer the boat. And you think, oh, it's easy to steer a boat. It's one thing to steer a boat with a motor. It's another thing to uh, try to steer a sailboat when you have the wind constantly blowing you in other directions. So he's telling everybody, hey, look at a point and try to reach that point, hit that point. If not, look at the compass. So you're looking at this compass. It's this big old wheel, right? And you're going like this and this. And so I didn't want to be first because, you know, I didn't know. I've never done this before, and I didn't want to kind of look like foolish so everybody else went and they were just struggling the boat would be going this way the boat would be going that way and they'd just be struggling trying to keep that boat on course so finally it's like okay time to turn around so they 
turned around, and then it was my turn. And so I'm at the boat. Is I just going, man, this is easy. And I'm telling all guys, what's your problem? You know, look at how straight I'm keeping the boat. You know, I'm a natural, right? And I'm natural. And then uh, the owner of the boat actually looks down and says, oh, we've got it on autopilot. And here I was thinking that it was me controlling the ship and that I was better than the other guys, right? Because I could keep that ship straight, uh, ship, sailboat straight. But it was an autopilot that was keeping it straight. And that's why it was so easy for me, right? It was so easy for me. The autopilot was doing the work, not me. And that's the way it's supposed to be in our Christian life. That God made us secure in our faith so we, could, he, so we could be what? Guided by the autopilot, which is the Holy Spirit. So we're not struggling back and forth to try to keep our life going in a certain direction. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so God has given us freedom. God has given us the security in him to do what? to serve others in love. But he's the one that does the work, not us. So what's our weekly challenge this week? What I'd like us to do is read Romans chapter 8 every single day and then ask God what he wants to teach you through his word. Okay, because Romans chapter 8 is, uh, to me, one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. But don't just read it and check it off. Just meditate on it. God, what do you want me to learn? And then look for opportunities to serve family members, co-workers, friends, etc. in love this week. Put this into practice by looking for opportunities to serve one another in love. Let's pray. And worship team, please come forward. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Romans chapter 8. And Father, yes, there are so many like myself who struggle. And Father, have just been defeated so many times. But Lord, when we realize what you say in Romans chapter 8, that we are more than conquerors, that we are not failures, we are not losers, we are conquerors, not because of who we are, not because of our own moral ability, but because of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us on the cross, and the Holy Spirit, Father, who dwells inside each one of us, who transforms us, and who does the work that we can't do on our own. Father, for those sitting here who struggle with the concept that nothing can separate them from your love, Lord, I pray that you speak to them this week. I pray that you would let them know that, yes, you understand that they still sin. And yes, Father, that sin does get in our relationship with you. But, Father, you've offered forgiveness if we confess our sins to you. And you don't hold anything against us, and nor do you condemn us. For you said that we are not guilty. So, Lord, I pray that those... here who struggle with that concept will experience you in ways that oh man that they've never experienced you before to feel your love like they've never experienced your love before 
so that they could go out and serve others in love. In your son's name we pray, amen.